Welcome to You Are The Magic. I'm Alexis Jane, founder and CEO. I help my clients build bulletproof confidence to build the life of their dreams by creating boss babe mindset and strategies that actually work. I believe you are the creator of your own destiny with courage, determination, and deep desire to change your world. Anything is possible. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome back to You Are The Magic. Today, I have the beautiful Kelly Howie with me today, and I'm really super excited to jump into your story. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. You're very welcome. Just before we jumped on, I was in my hot messness of <laughs> running around and we're in COVID times. We're in lockdown over in Sydney at the moment. And so lots of fun homeschooling things going on and not sleeping well and all of the fun stuff. How are you coping over there in this time? Well, in New York City, it seems that we've been in lockdown for some time. And even now with sort of opening up, it sort of staying put. And my, I want to say anyone who is having to deal with A, lockdown and B, raising children and homeschooling, you have my, you know, fullest sympathy, empathy, sending all good vibes your way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So tell me your magical story that brought you to creating your magical book. (gasps) You know, sometimes you got to listen to your network and they often see more in you than you see in yourself. Um, I had a very linear career path, sort of the expectation of you graduate from high school, you go to university, you get a degree, you get a, you know, you get a, a secondary degree, you get an office and a business card, you put your head down, you do good work. And I was a corporate attorney for 11, 12 years. I moved into law firm management. So, you know, I I had very much a vision of myself in that kind of office type role and job. Um, I remember times being frustrated that my career wasn't unfolding the ways I wanted it to. Uh, But it was when I was still in the corporate environment and I was building out the global alumni program for an international law firm. And any of your, anyone of your listeners who are listening to this who are in corporate jobs are going to get what I am now going to say. So I was told by the managing partner of the firm that this was a priority initiative and then proceeded to give me no staff and no budget to make it happen. So it's like, here, Kelly, here's your paper clip and your cubicle, like build us a global alumni program. And by the way, this is a priority. So Being resourceful, maybe this is where my entrepreneur career started, being resourceful, I thought, okay, where are there examples of sort of a bottom-up community effort? Because I don't have staff, I don't have the perks of a budget to build, you know, a corporate alumni program in the ways others do. How could I build something that is enthusiasm from the community so it is self-generating energy that way? And I came upon an organization that at the time, it was a global business network for women, um, and it was, at the time was known as 85 Broads. And that was a tongue-in-cheek 
um, play on words because the original members had worked at Goldman Sachs. And Goldman Sachs's original headquarters were at 85 Broad Street down in Lower Manhattan. And I became very involved in the network because I was studying it, because I knew it had grown from a couple hundred women at Goldman Sachs to 35,000 women globally. Wow. And this was like pre-Facebook, pre like all of this, you know, and LinkedIn, you know, Twitter, all the vibrancy of those social networks, this had grown organically this way. And probably six to nine months into being active and visible in this network, the founder, Janet Hansen, called me and she said, I want to know about you. Who are you? What do you do? You're asking interesting questions. Okay, it wasn't that methodical and sort of slow. She was a Wall Street trader at Goldman Sachs. So it was more like kind of rapid fire, like, you know, an interrogation. Uh, and at the end of an hour long phone call, she offered me a job that had previously never existed. And she invited me to become the president of 85 Broads and to help her with the next stage of the network's development. And in inviting me to do that, she was asking me to give up a paycheck and the perks of having a job because she was offering me equity, not a paycheck. Um, she was seeing in me potential that I hadn't imagined. I sort of, I think at the time would have thought that, oh, I'll build this alumni program and work in business development and marketing at this law firm. And maybe I'll go to another law firm. Or, Ooh, go crazy. Maybe a consulting firm. Ooh, maybe accounting. Um, uh, she says with such great sarcasm. Anyhow, <laughs> like I really, I was like, like, you know, blinders on what I could possibly do. And when I realized that the worst thing that could happen in taking this really risky career proposition, when I realized the worst thing that could happen was I could come back to my old job or a job like it, it enabled me to take a flyer and enabled me to kind of say, you know what, why not? Why not give this, you know, a shot for three months, six months, nine months, whatever it is. Uh, and once I did that, there was no looking back. So that was really like a magical shifting point for me in my career, how I looked at my career, what I thought was possible for it, uh, and realizing that I had sort of more skills and abilities and places to share my knowledge than, you know, another law firm or professional services firm. I love that. And one thing that really just stood out for me is being resourceful and asking quality questions, high-level, delicious questions. That is so powerful. So what were the questions that you were asking? What were the things that you were you were focusing on to in the resourcefulness of who you are? Well, I think it's one of those things when we think about, like I think about expressions that people say when they want people to be creative. They're like, think outside the box. And I'm more of a, hell no, get in the box. These are the four corners of the resources you have. How are you going to innovate? 
How are you going to be constructive? How can you make something happen within the constraints that you're operating? Because I can't do it because I don't have staff in a budget wasn't an option for me. How am I going to get this done? And if I look back at various points in my career where I might have been understaffed with um, a, a corporate transaction I was working on, or you know, for a while I was doing the types of deals that were not the sexy corporate deals that all the other you know attorneys wanted to work on. So, how could I be resourceful to you know coerce other people to work alongside me? You know, I think. When I think about it, it's like you sit there and you say, right, how am I going to get this done? Right? Or you trust that you could get it done. Maybe just the path to getting it done is going to look different and come across differently because you have to re-examine every single assumption that you have. So good. And I love that you the networking sense of things, the networking side of things. And I feel in this world where we are today, I feel that people really struggle with networking and connecting and having those real deep conversations. And when people reach out to me on Facebook or whatever platform and I reply and they're like, oh, my God, you're a real human? I'm like, yeah. I like having a real conversation because I'm not scared if you decide that you want to sell to me. That's great. I love being sold to. Am I going to buy? I'm not really too sure. But I love connecting and having a real human connection because who knows what you have on offer. I might know someone in my network that may want what you have because they don't want what I have because everyone's different and unique and we all have different things to share and different values. And networking is so powerful. So when you're in the networking space, what were the things that really like what were the biggest learnings of being in that environment? Well, I think when I look back, you know, some of, some of the way I think about networking actually has to go way back. Okay. Unless this would really date me. <laughs> I started my career in 1991. Um, so when I think about the tools I had to network at that time, right? It was, all right, outside of schmoozy networking events, or in person, the ways I connected with people would have been mm, rudimentary email, uh, voicemail, telephone, maybe a, ooh, go crazy, a conference call, right? Uh, and I was an you know young attorney at that time, and I had realized there was an inherent tension in the profession. To be successful, I needed to do the work, and a lot of it, which would keep me at my desk, and I needed to build relationships. So how do you do, how do you reconcile those two things? So from a very early point in my career, I began to think, well, networking has to be more than schmoozing. It has to be more than coffee dates and sporting events and, you know, drinks and, you know, talking to strangers. How do you build up your reputation? How do you use the tools you have at hand? Go back to think inside the box. How do you use the tools you have at hand to build real human connection? So exactly as your point on Facebook, when people are like, oh, you're a real human being. Well, you can be a real human being in how you leave a voicemail message. 
You can be a real human being in how you start a conference call with your clients. You can be a real human being in how you start a sales conversation. I mean, there's an example in my book where I was literally going to buy a URL in the aftermarket. And the salesperson in aftermarkets, when I talked to him, his first question was not it, it, like his first question wasn't, you know, how much do you want to spend on the URL? His first question was, what's it for? And when I talked to him about the book, he shared his career story with me. And that's why Joe Styler of GoDaddy is a case study in my book. So I think of networking as every single human interaction. And every touch point we have, whether that's a tweet, a Facebook, you know, your email signature line, you know, how you treated someone three jobs ago, all of that is part of your networking. And you should be treating it like that because we just live in such an age now, you never know. You never know when that intern is going to turn into someone who wants to hire you or recommend you or, you know, the person you meet right on Facebook or the, the person you meet on Twitter who ends up writing the foreword to your book. Like, you, you just don't know. I love that. And one thing that has really shone a light this year is I always connect back with past clients. Hey, hey, going, just checking in purely for a conversation, not to resign them, not to do anything because I was part of their journey. I was part of the beginning of them creating their business or I was in the, they were at a point in their business where they wanted to expand and explode and I helped them get to that point and then they've moved on to something else and done different things from what I do. And I reached out to a client the other day and I find it quite funny and I was like, oh, hey, how you going? And she wrote back and she said, well, what do you want from me? And I was like, I don't want anything. I was just checking in because I know that you've just had some huge, big life-shifting challenges. I was just checking in to see how you're going with everything. And she was like, lol. I went, okay. <laughs> and I was like, like interesting. You're like, it's interesting. I mean, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if everyone else is selling to you. Like, uh, you know, if we had a great working relationship, maybe you're going to recommend me to other people. But if we've worked together and I know these things about you, I actually care about you. So hearing things, you know, I mean, I stopped practicing law in 2002. One of the clients I worked with, I still stay in touch with. And, you know, put COVID, you know, pandemic times aside, we might get together for a drink or dinner once a year still, because it was like, listen, you pull all nighters at the, you know, creating a prospectus to file with the SEC, you know, you, there's a lot of bonding moments when you're working, you know, 24 seven, literally. And I mean, Dante ended up picking the cover for my book, because we happened to be having dinner the night that I needed to make that final selection. He's like, how's it going? And I'm like, which cover? You pick it. Like slid my phone across the table. And it's funny, fast forward, I did a book event at one of the firms I used to work at as an attorney. At the time I was working with Dante when he was a client. And when I said to one of the partners who I used to report to, oh, guess who I saw 
he was shocked that I stayed in touch. And I'm like, why wouldn't I? I mean, you build these relationships. The intensity of the connection doesn't need to stay the same in sense of the volume of interactions. But when you've built a relationship, why wouldn't you keep it? And it confuses me. Yeah, I just love how you just articulated that because it's so true and I find it highly amusing when I reach out to people. Like I've got a past client that every maybe four months I reach out to her and she never replies. I still reach out to her because I see her popping up on my page and I'm like, I don't know, have I done something? Like is this, like I don't understand, so I'm just assuming that I haven't done anything. It's just right. her side of things. But um, so with your book, Build Your Dream Network, Let's talk about that a little bit. So what inspired you to create that and to write that book and when was it launched? So I, um, like I had never, like my bucket list for careers never included, let's write a book. No, never imagined. And then I became obsessed with the idea, obsessed with it. And I think a couple of sparks happened in 2014 and really instrumentally, there was not one, but two authors who wrote, reached out and wrote to me saying, we're writing books on networking and you are the expert on this. Could you give us some insights for our books? And I think there was sort of like a lightning bolt of like, hold on a minute here. If I'm the expert's expert, maybe I should write the book. Uh, And once I made that realization, I became obsessed with it. And when I talked to people in my network and they said, what are you up to? I said, I think I'm going to write a book. It was like this collective sigh of relief. And they were all looking at me going, oh, we've been wanting you to do that. And I'm like, really? Like, I'm glad it was obvious to you because I haven't figured it out. Um, And that all happened. So the book came out in 2017 in hardcover and 2018 in paperback. Um, you know, and I've already revealed to your listeners that, you know, I'm, I'm no spring chicken. Um, but that's just what my driver's license says. Uh, you know, age is an attitude and I'm still probably stuck at like the sense of humor of a 12 year old boy. So, um, (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So, so, you know, that age is an attitude, but you know, the career I've always wanted to have, is now happening, you know, post age 50. And it is really being fueled and coming at a time uh, based on the experiences, the rape, the reputation, the relationships. Um, I sort of indicated earlier, I was frustrated in my 20s that my career wasn't happening. And I think I would have enjoyed parts of my career more if I just realized, like, this is building towards something like, your work, your career is unfolding at the pace that your career should. Focus on what you can control. Pay attention to what interests you. Keep building those relationships. And at some point, what it is that you should really be doing is going to, you know, kind of be revealed. So, yeah, that's how sort of I ended up writing a book and doing all this other stuff, uh, you know, after age 50. And I love how you said age is just an attitude because I feel like I'm stuck at 24. And <laughs> it's like my. There's probably, there's, probably, there's probably a 
smarter age than me saying, you know, the sense of humor. Well, maybe the sense of humor of a 12-year-old boy. But yeah, at le- least being at legal drinking age would be a smart <laughs> age to like stall myself. <laughs> yeah, I don't look my age. You don't look your age at all by any stretch of the imagination. And I really, truly believe that age is only, it is an attitude and making those real connections and keeping in touch with people and not being afraid if someone's coming to sell to you or what, why do we question why someone's reaching out to us? This is the thing that I am really unpacking with my clients. Like people want to become my friends and I'm like, okay, do you like the look of their Facebook page? Do you like the look of their Instagram? Do you resonate with their energy? If they want to come into your world, allow them. You might make a new best friend. Like I've met so many amazing, beautiful humans online that I've never met in person, that I've never worked as, a, they've never been a client of mine, I've never been a client of theirs, and we connect on such a deep soul level and we, I get I love you messages, I miss you messages, can we get on a phone call messages? And I'm like, of course we can because we've made this beautiful connection and some of us don't even know how we've actually connected or when we connected or whatever that looks like, but we've just got this unbelievable now beautiful relationship but you but you're hitting the nail on the head there's a difference between treating online platforms as um like real human like venues for interaction and those who treat it as something else they either treat it as lesser or secondary networking, or they treat it as marketing, they treat it as a place just to spam people. So whether it's your inbox, you're in an email, or whether it's a social platform, if you don't treat it as a human being, you're going to re- you're going to create resistance. But if you are genuine and authentic yourself, and if you think to yourself, this is just another place to meet people. Um, if you change the context, like how you engage on Facebook is not how you should be engaging on LinkedIn and how you engage on LinkedIn is not how you engage on Twitter. So if you realize you can be yourself and just the networking room changes, you can meet amazing people online. Um, as my ex used to say to me, he's, he, when we would go to meet people in person, he'd say, now, are these your real friends or are these like your, like, 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 like a child? Are these your make-believe friends? I'm like, yeah, these are more of my Twitter friends, but we meet in real life too. Cause I, like, yeah. I mean, the funniest comment I ever had was someone met me at a, on a, pan, we were speaking on a panel together and we knew each other from Twitter. And this guy was like, oh, you're so much taller than your avatar. And I'm like, that is like the funniest comment ever. Thank God I'm not like as big as my avatar on, you know, like Twitter. But he's like, otherwise you're the same person. And I'm like, shocker. Yeah, that's that's who I am. It's it's really interesting. So <laughs> something that you just really, like something that flew through as you were saying that was some people see what I've noticed is they're like, oh, they've, they see somebody on the socials as a, they see them as a monetary exchange but your money to me it's like no I'm actually a real human being and if I I buy because I'm I want to be in your energy and it's yeah that exchange that happens that's like next level and I love that the avatar 
I, in the last school holidays, I went in on a road trip with my daughter and I went and saw one of my clients and I work with her and her husband separately on separate things. She's building a business and he's work, we're working through some trauma stuff. And my client, um, the wife and I were standing at the counter buying lunch and it was really interesting. And, we, and then we went, Zoe and I went and sat back down my daughter and the husband looked at me and goes, I can't stop staring at you. I put it. <laughs> Like I'm, it's like I'm with a celebrity, and I lost it. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> and I was like, like, "You see me as a celebrity? What do you mean?" He's like, well, "I see you on Facebook all the time, and you're doing trainings, and then we're talking." And I've never met you in person. This is the first time I've met you in person. And then this woman walked over to service, and she goes, "Do you always look this beautiful?" I'm like, I don't know what's happening today, but I'm digging all the compliments. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I love this. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be as I'll be as fabulous as my look. My avatar is an airbrush. I am as gorgeous in in real life. Um, but like one of the examples, I, I love that. And one of the examples I think of, uh, and I said this during a recent, and you'll get this from doing trainings and being on Zoom all the time. I said to it was with a bunch of students. I said, whatever you do, please in the chat. Please do not say, hey, let's connect and throw in your LinkedIn URL. And you could just see these students were all confused. And I said, would you walk up to someone and that would be the first words out of your mouth? Would you walk to, into someone in a conference and the first thing you say to them is, let's connect on LinkedIn. Here's my URL. No one would do that. You told, so I said, if you wouldn't do it in person, Please don't do it in the LinkedIn, the, the um, uh, Zoom chat. Like, do not do that. Please use these digital tools as if you were sitting next to someone or if you were walking up to them. You know, you wouldn't run into a bar in all caps screaming, you know, that you've got a, you know, a discount sale and a two for one. You wouldn't do that. Well, maybe you would. And then all of us would tell you to F off and get out of the bar. Um, you wouldn't walk, you know, you wouldn't walk up to someone and, um, you know, like the first introduction, you know, be a really obnoxious sales pitch unless maybe you're in a situation and the only scenario I can ever think of is, you know, like um, the cosmetic department in a, a, a section in a department store that if those perfume salespeople, if they don't capture you, chances are they may never see you again. Where, where else do we have that kind of sales situation where someone, if they don't sort of hand you a sample or they don't immediately get you to sniff the product you're gone. I mean, it's very rare now. So when I think about digital tools and someone comes at me the first time in a purely spray and pray kind of pitch mode, my initial reaction is like, talk to the hand. It's like, you, you, you haven't thought about who I am. And this just like the littlest hint of personalization, like true human personalization would make the world a difference. Yeah, and as you're talking, so when I used to go into real networking events and we were allowed to connect with people and <laughs> interact in the human flesh, um, I would journal before I walked in and set a really strong intention of I'm going to connect with the people that I'm energetically aligned with today. And those people always ended up in my world 
Do you have a Do you have a business card? I don't do business cards. You want to connect with me? We do it either we exchange com- like um, numbers now, or we connect on on socials. Like, but you meant to have a you meant to have a business card. Says who? I do my life and business how I've chosen to do it. You get to do it your way. This is how I've chosen to do it. And so now I still, and that's what I teach my clients to do when, if it's an online networking event or online connection, set the intention that you want, that you're going to energetically connect with the person that needs to be connected with you today. Because if there's 10 people in the room, not all 10 people you're going to want to connect with, not all 10 people are you going to be energetically aligned with. There could be that one person that could be life-changing. I met a girl through my podcast and I said to her, can I just help, like we got off the call, I said, oh, can I just really help you just nail in your avatar? I knew she was working with another coach. It wasn't even about creating that. It was just me purely wanting to help her create a, a narrower avatar so that she was talking to that one person, not talking to everyone because she wasn't getting what she desired. And I was doing the energetics behind it. That one person has now become a client who has now become the biggest golden nugget that I've ever attracted into my world who has referred over $100,000 worth of business to me. That's awesome. Purely by me connecting with that and I had no intention of her becoming a client. I just was like, you have so much goodness. I just want to help you. Let's jump onto another call. <laughs> and I thought of the energetics behind it and she, like that, created another client and then another client. She's like, oh, my goodness. I had all the strategy. I had all the processes. I had all the things but I didn't know that my energy and my belief systems were the things that were holding me back. So I was doing the work and I was showing up and creating the momentum and having people flow through, but no one was connecting and no one was closing into her business. And my guess is she would have sent you that amount of work even if she hadn't become a client because you, you instantly created that value. And I think you know, that's what people get afraid to do, right? They, they get afraid to make that real human connection and, and, you know, kind of getting confused on what, you know, you know, what's the networking exchange? I'm like, mm, being a decent human being? <laughs> sort of like along the lines of when people say, what's the secret to networking? I look at them, I'm like, mm, don't be a jerk. That's, that's so hard, right? But clearly it is for a lot of people. Um, you know, lives are long. I mean, there may have been a time where that kind of um, scarcity mindset, that hierarchy mindset to networking, maybe it, maybe it was, you know, kind of the madman era of, you know, I'm thinking, you know, the bygone era of, you know, sort of 50s or 60s. Maybe that was the way to do things. But in the era we live in now, you never know where your opportunities are going to come from. You know, I've had bosses who are older than me. I have had bosses that are, you know, the equal number of 20 to 30 years younger than me. Um, I have had former interns send me opportunities. So I sort of say to people, how do you show up every day? How do you show up every day for other people in your network? How do you make it clear what it is that you are seeking to accomplish? Make it clear so that your network has clarity on how they can help you. Love that. So powerful. I could sit here and speak to you all <laughs> afternoon, all morning. 
you know what? It, it, it's mutual. It's mutual. It's mutual. This is like this was like the energy that needed to be, you know, ac- across time zones and continents, and you know, frustration that it's. I can't imagine next what I'm going to get to Australia, and I talk weekly with my one of my dearest friends and my godchildren who were in Adelaide, and uh, I cannot wait to get back. Well, this year we're all supposed to go over to New York for my girlfriend's 40th, and that's not happening. But one day we'll get back over there, hopefully, <laughs> when the world opens again. So how yes. do get in contact with you? Where do you hang out the most? What is the best way for people to be in your world? Be in my world. Well, actually, the best place to go is go over to my website because it's got all the you know, social handles and all the, my email address and all the goodness is all there. And that's jkellyhoey.co. And that's J-K-E-L-L-Y-H-O-E-Y.co. And all the deets are there and it's the best place to find me. Amazing, amazing. Thank you so much for your gorgeous deliciousness today. Oh, this has been divine. Thank you. You're very welcome. Have a wonderful afternoon. We have come to the end of another epic interview. If you would like to see more of what I am up to, head over to my Facebook page, Instagram, LinkedIn, and let's connect. Because I love gifting people who are dedicated to their transformation, when you like and tag me in an episode at the end of every week, I choose one lucky listener to have a free session with myself or one of my guests. Thank you again for tuning in. I am Alexis Jane. Remember, you are the magic.